in the world of floral design. There are so many wholesome, educational, wonderful podcasts. And where do we go to find those, darling? Because I haven't heard one of those today. Oh, no, I was actually reading off the brief sheet. Like, Oh, I that's this. I, Is that this? That's this that's meant to oh, be us. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. You've mistaken yeah. me for someone else, Dal. <laughs> <laughs> what can our listeners expect if they tune in today, my good sister? Um, I think that they'll probably expect a nice wheezy cackle. They'll probably hear this a few times. Hang on, let me just get it right for you. <laughs> that's the slurp of a Coke can. Like, that's definitely what you'll hear from me. What about you? What I'm feeling today is mm. that I'm bringing the realness, and uh, so are you. We're both bringing, yeah. like, a good level of realness. But I think you can expect that in every episode of Flowers After Hours, simply because we're here, we're real, we are the J-Lo and the Kardashian of the floral design industry. Um, so who's and the J-Lo and who's the Kardashian? I've always thought of myself more as a Joey from the block, and I'm very happy to let you be the Kardashian empire. It's the skin. It's the skin, love. I've got the skin. I've got the Kardashian skin. I can live with that. I'm at peace. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, me too. I have the JLo skin. That's exactly And you what will I tell probably still look 25 when you're 50. So, yeah, I'll give you that. Yep. It's the gift of the ginger, isn't it? That's the gift. <laughs> How has your week been, sister? What have you been up to? Look, I've been sitting here watching your success over the wonderful launch of your book. I'm very, <sighs> very proud of you. You've done an Thank amazing you. job. Thank um, you. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's still that, you know... Uh, How that, many copies did you buy? Um, to be honest, I actually haven't bought one yet. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if we can... I'm can, waiting can... to receive the, the, the press gift. Like... <laughs> <laughs> quite right, quite right, quite right. Uh, um, no, I'm still in that twilight zone here where it's like that somewhere in the middle of... I'm not quite sure if it's... Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, Lunar New Year. Grim. It's just Grim. like, it's just bloody hot. People mm. are crazy because it's like the 4,214th day of school holidays. Oh. And it's just, yeah, I think parents are now just want to get kids back to school and they want to actually have some money to spend again. So that's yeah, where I'm feeling my stage. business is at. How about you, Dal? How's a humid winter? Yeah, we're good. We're really, really good at the minute. So, uh, for us, it's, you know, second week of Jan. Everything's kind of, um, getting back to normal, I would say. You know, we've hope we've pretty much survived this winter without any huge restrictions, any real restrictions. Mm-hmm. You know, Lady Omicron Wave gave us a bit of a run for the money. Um, but, you know, it turned out to be nowhere near as serious as everyone was hoping. Yeah. So we're kind of, I'm kind of hoping that this year I might actually get a full year of trading. I mean, I mean, how, how would absurd you is that? How would you How pay? would you be to actually be able to trade for 12 out of 12 months? I mean, I did a little kind of like year in review with my accountant just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he was like, do you realize that out of the past 24 months, Months, you've been able to trade for nine of them. Isn't that and I was mental. like, oh, that's shocking. Yeah, that's quite shocking. Um, but I mean, it's been a fantastic week. We did, um, we announced the book, The Flower School, which was yes. super exciting. Um, and I mean, I was blown away, to be honest with you. Like I, because obviously I've never done this kind of book thing before. Mm-hmm. I had no idea, um, you know, how it would all kind of work. And my project manager, Frankie, I said to her, like, honestly, like, how do you think this is going to go? And she said, no, where do I? She sits me down. She says, looks me dead in the eye, holds my hand and said, I think 
this is going to linger in obscurity for several months. And then when we publish, <laughs> we'll go up the charts somewhat. And you know what? I believed it. I was like, totally. I was like, because, because to be very honest with you, I don't really pre-order things. Yeah. I only pre-order things if I'm supporting a friend. You know, if someone has something coming out and, you know, they need to get their idea of the numbers and how successful things are going to be, I will pre-order something. But isn't that terrible? Rule, I feel bad now that I didn't order, but you know what? I just, I assumed I thought, oh, well, no, this, the pre-orders for civilians. I'll just order, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll order when it's time. You know, I haven't been told that it's time for me to order yet, so I just haven't done it. But I see that you've you've had no sh- you've had no shortage of civilians that um have ordered the book club so yeah i mean i still don't have an idea of numbers if that makes sense um so it doesn't actually you know i don't know if i've sold five copies or you know 100 copies i've I've literally got no idea um because apparently it takes some time for us to get those numbers and because it's like there's a million different charts worldwide so she's still working until told she can retire Basically, yeah. yeah. All I want to do is make sure that ever no one loses money on this. I just want to, I want to earn out my royalty and make sure that the publisher earns some money and, um, you know, make sure that everyone kind of loves the book. So, yeah, we, I mean, it, it was, I can't like, you know, all joking aside, it was phenomenal to rank mm. like one and two and three and, you know, to have, I mean, it was insane to see on, I think one of the charts, I think it was like the garden design chart. The physical book was number one and the Kindle edition was number two. Mm. I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is insane. It's insane. Like, it was insane. Um, but yeah, no, it was a phenomenal week. And uh, this week, we are back to it. We've got lots to be cracking on with. For us, at the start of January, we always get a lot of uh, wedding inquiries and um, event inquiries. And we're back to teaching and stuff. So um, I just feel really positive about this year. For the first time in, I would say, at least two years, I feel like, okay, I can have a crack at this. I think I'm going to be able to run a business as opposed to, like, kind of bracing along. for yeah. whatever level of, you know, restrictions are going to be, you know, put upon me. So, um, yeah, I know I'm feeling really good. And we have a, we have a really juicy topic to dive into today as well, Cracking don't we? Cracking topic today. Oh, today we are talking all about our creative fulfillment. How essentially to combat creative fatigue, to discover your business love language, and really how to balance creativity with the sordid topic of coin. And I know that we were talking about this and it's something that we've talked about previously because it's a, it's, it's a tricky thing, right? Don't you think? It is. It is tricky. And I think it's, um, it's another one of those subjects where everyone's going to have a different answer. Everyone's going to manage themselves differently and everyone's going to need different things in their business and, and life, you know? So Mm. we can only obviously go by, you know, what, fills our cup and what, you know, makes it work for us. But Pepsi Max. Yeah, yeah, and Coke No Sugar. But the the thing is, it's like, I think it's important to talk about this because you can't just go at, you know, 100 k's an hour all the time. Like, you have to, you at some point have to stop and go, you know, this isn't sustainable to be able to work like this constantly. And well, what it takes to manage well, that. Well, you know me, sis. I'm a steward. You know, I need, I mm. really like to think things through mm-hmm. and take my time with things. I hate to be brushed. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we have what I consider like a real juicy topic for the podcast, I always like stew a little on it and mm-hmm. think like, hmm, what would I, what would I do with this? And frankly, you know, I think if you're in this industry to... If the goal, should we say, is to make as much money as possible, you want to be loaded, you want to be a multimillionaire, mm-hmm. there are easier ways to do that. 
yeah. than working in the floral design. You can go and sure become is. an investment banker. You can mm-hmm. go and become a software developer. Mm-hmm. There are other easier things that you can do than slinging bunches of dafts for a pound <laughs> each. You know what I mean? To try and get a little bit of money in the back pocket. It's so true. It's if you want to be so a filthy, rich Kardashian, you know, selling dafts and tulips for a pound a bunch is not going to get you there. And <laughs> not- it's not love. <laughs> and whoever told I mean, you it is, is lying to you. You've been lied to. You've been yeah. lied to. Mm. The fact of the matter is, is that I think if you're in this industry, you're in it because there is some creativity there. You know what I mean? And it can be creativity with any aspect of the business. It might be that you love working on the bench. It might be that you love designing big weddings and events. It might be that you just really enjoy creating, you know, the weekly contracts that go out. But there's some part of you which enjoys the creative element of it because if it was solely about the cash Mm. if it was solely about the money there's far easier ways to do that i mean every friday night i make more than i do this week just by hanging on the pole for a few hours and the fact that's something that i have come to learn about myself you know that i'm in this business for the creativity not necessarily for the ones that they slip down my bra every week yeah with that in mind i do think that we have to kind of bear that as quite an important thing Because if you're in it for the creativity, you know as well as I do that so much of building a business can squeeze out that creativity. It can become about staff management. It can become about accounting. It can become about, oh my gosh, writing copy for the website. It can Mm -hmm. become about dot, 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 dot. And I think it is, it's part of your job, I think, as a person, not even as a Mm -hmm. business owner, Mm -hmm. to make sure that you find a slice of joy in what you do. Yeah, I don't I think there's a great. single job in the world that, you know, you love every single bit about of it. And, you know, you bounce up every morning out of bed and angels, you know, carry you to work, to work and all the rest of it. I really think, you know, you have to take the rough with the smooth. But I think overall there has to be a decent sized portion of it that you think, I like this. Mm. I yeah, enjoy I, this. I would agree. And I think it's yeah. like, I know that we've had discussions. There's, there's definitely elements of, of my life and my business where I, I truly had on my heart think, what on earth am I doing? What the hell no have I, sound my, I signed myself up for? Like, yeah, it's bloody hard. You know, it is really, really hard work. And I feel like sometimes the bigger you get, the more you've got, you know, at stake. And the more... Can I just, can I just mm. say, I think that'll be so comforting for so many people to hear that, you know, a person with your stature, with your size business, that's got as much experience as you, still has moments where they think, oh my God, what have I signed up for? And you know, it's funny... That'll be so comforting. I also, you know? it, it's this time of year as well, to be honest. And I have to admit that, you know, this is, uh, so this is my 10th year in this business. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it happens at the beginning of every year where I reckon mm. I go through a stage from about the first until about the 14th of January, regardless, without fail, no matter how well or bad the business is doing at the time. Mm-hmm, and I think, mm-hmm. Christ on a bike, you know, like what on earth do <laughs> I get out of bed for every fucking morning? You know, like it is... Oh my gosh. Honestly, like, because I also think like, have you ever, you know, those people that you meet and you just, you can see the twinkle in their eye that every day they go to work and they are... They are whole. They have been completely fulfilled. They adore what they do and they couldn't think Mm. of anything else, right? I Mm. don't know that floristry is that to me. I think the Mm. reality Mm -hmm. of floristry for me is that I grew up in a family business. I was a great florist, you know, like learned to become a great florist and I just rolled with it. You know, I just rolled with it. 
I would not say at all, at any point, did I go, this fulfills me, I can't think of anything else that I'd rather be doing or anything like that. So, I wouldn't necessarily say that I have found my calling, if you will. I would mm-hmm. just say that I found myself a job, I found myself a niche, and I found my something, I, myself something that I could get up every morning and know that I could execute well. So, mm-hmm. I also go through that period constantly where I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, how, am I wasting my own time and my own life not doing something that truly fulfills me in order just for a buck? You know, like, well, well, I think that's a sensible concern because, mm. you know, so many times in life, you, I second guess things and mm. question things. And, you know, we, as I mentioned before, I like to take my time and think through things. I hate being rushed. And, you know, yep. I, I think, I think that is, that's a very brave admission. I think Matthew to say that, you know, this, you know, I could have been a million other things. Yeah. Floristry was just the thing that was in front of me. It was something that I knew I would be good at and something that I knew I would be successful. And let's not beat around the bush here. You are hugely successful. Like, mm. you really, really are. You're a force to be reckoned with within the industry. And I don't think there's anything wrong. I think there's actually quite a lot of right in the fact that you're saying, you know, my business at the minute, or parts of my business anyway, is not the most quote-unquote fulfilling part of my life. It's not, it's not the most f- fulfilling, fulfilling part of, of what you know. I do. And the, the yeah. great thing about that is, I think, is that you have the power to make the tweaks to that business yeah. that you might want to, to make sure that you do enjoy a bit of it. I I mean, and like, you know, all honesty, all cards on the table. Mm. As I like to say, because, you know, I play poker nightly um, when I'm not on the pole. And I like to think that I enjoy most of my business. Mm-hmm. And I am that kind of a petulant spirit that if I didn't, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I really I really wouldn't do it. You know what I'm like. I'm I such do. a diva. I if I am not into something, everyone will know. And I'll be like, oh, we're not doing this. This is not the way forward. <laughs> and I have to say, like, believe it or not, although the past two years have been probably the most difficult that I've been through personally and uh, prof- professionally, yep. um, you know, business-wise, you know, trading nine months out of 24, uh, that's, Madness. that's insane. Insane. Madness. Um, but that said, I am far happier with the direction the company is going in now after the pandemic than it was before the pandemic. And that's simply because I've been able to take the time to look at things and think, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't. I, I, I don't want to be killing myself to do that. I don't want to be having to do this. I don't want to have to be running here or going there or, you know, maybe I can take some time to focus on, to try and find the parts of the business that I really do enjoy, that really do set me on fire, because not all of it does at no. all. Not all of it does, but now I'm heading in a direction where significantly more of my business I enjoy. And I do, I really, really enjoy it, but it certainly wasn't that way before the pandemic hit. No, no. And it's, and it's really like you just said, it's determined by how much we do to make changes. Like we obviously, when you go into business, the whole thing is full of risk. Sometimes a lot of calculated Mm. risk, but also Mm. making changes to adapt to business is equally the same amount of risk. So Mm. we, we, Mm. we are more cautious. I think the more you go on in business and someone actually said to me just this week, and I thought, wow, that's a really great perspective is when people become wealthy, you know, like, like millionaires as such, they have a mm. lot more, or they're a lot more careful with their money because the more money they've got, the less that they want to be poor again. Mm. 
So I feel like we get the same in business. It's just like the more established you become and the, the more successful the business becomes, the more you go, oh, do I really want to change it? Like, am I... Absolutely. You know, like, am I am I rattling the wrong cage here? Should I just I leave everything the way it is? To, oh, my gosh. I think you can apply that to every aspect of a life or business. The more you're up on that pedestal, mm-hmm. the more considered you have to be about your next move. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have, you know, three followers on Instagram, you know, you can post a topless picture of yourself covered in whipped cream no one's gonna care you know when you've got a sizable following like you or me have Mm. you know we do post those pictures but then delete them really quickly so people question if they ever saw them in the first place absolutely 100 Mm. percent um but (laughs) but there's that kind of point there of thinking a little bit about you know there is a fear there there is a fear and i would say that if you're in a position where you know you're feeling creatively fatigued and you're not really sure which direction to be taking Mm -hmm. things in i would say move slowly and start by giving yourself some time and some space to think things through I don't think, the last thing I think anyone should do is make big sweeping changes really, really quickly, you know, with, you know, closing things down or moving things around or anything of that, you know, simply because of how you're feeling, you know, over a couple of weeks or a couple of months or something. It's kind of like they say, you know, um, you know, when once you go through a, a traumatic event, you know, a big life-changing event, don't make any big decisions for mm-hmm. six months. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you see that in movies when people inherit, you know, like just five million dollars or something yeah. um, from like someone who passed away. They say, don't spend it. Just, you know, put it in a savings account and sit with it for a year. And then, you know, when things are maybe less emotional and less stressful, then you can maybe look to make some of those changes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's something that I, I, the very first thing I wrote about how to combat creative fatigue when I was thinking through this was it, it starts, I think, with boundaries and having enough time off so that you have the space and you're in the right kind of mindset to be able to think, well, if what I'm doing right now isn't working for me, what would work for me? Yeah. And I would start by looking for those pain points. I would start by looking at those things that make me think, oh, you know, what, what is the most annoying thing in my business? Mm -hmm. Is it a person? (laughs) Is it, um, and sometimes it is because, you know, you can be. Yeah. 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 I had a situation a couple of years ago where I hated coming into work because of someone that worked for me. And I thought, well, she's got to go. You know, like there's yeah, no, I, yeah. I can't, it's a hard conversation, but she got to go love because I can't not want to come into my own business because of one of my team well, that's members. Well, I had her written off for you. Do you remember? I do. I do. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. That's what sisters are for. You know, if no one else is going to hire an assassin, who is? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's so important though, to set those boundaries, to be like, I am going to have you know, you know what, what it could be is I'm going to take a Friday off and I'm going to take the Saturday off too and the Sunday for for the next month or something and just give yourself a little bit more time to process what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And then I would start looking for those pain points, for those things that cause you the most annoyance or the most stress or that you think is at least profitable. And then instead of making big sweeping changes, I would look to do small changes. Small changes. So if it was like one retail store that always underperformed, you could never get the staffing for, maybe the sales and the trade and the footfall were really unpredictable Mm -hmm. and it was just like a total nightmare to get right, Mm -hmm. I would look at temporarily closing that store for three months or two months or a month or something and see how that makes you feel. And if 
you close it and then you think, oh, I don't feel any different, then it's not that. You know, yeah. reopen it and crack on and look for the next thing that makes you think, God, I really don't like this or, I, I re- you know, I really want to change things. I mean, the other thing that I thought of as well, and this is something that I, I mean, it makes me, you know, feel a bit nauseous reading it back. But, uh, you know, do you do enough things for yourself mm-hmm. creatively? To kind of make yourself feel good. Um, do you want to know something which I'm doing this year? You will laugh your tits off at this. So I have signed up, get ready. I have signed up in April to do a stand up comedy course. Don't even mock me. You know, I'm not um, even, that, that, that's actually like the best thing I've heard all day, love, honestly, because the, shut up. No, because the thing is, is like shut you up. think you're funny and I'm so glad you're addressing this now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a recurring issue oh, in the good feedback grief. we've had in the I'm podcast. I'm so glad you've realised and that you're now <laughs> taking the steps to train properly. <laughs> it is. I mean, lesson one starts off with knock-knock jokes, and yeah. then we move on to water balloons and whoopee cushions. And, and by and, the end of it, session I'm three, she moves on to Michelle Obama, and here we go, around again. <laughs> <laughs> She's been to the gig once oh, or twice. she has yeah, no, very exciting. So, but that's do you think that that me. is that just was that just something out of the blue that you went? I just want to do this for myself to do something for myself. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, it's it's like you, you're ne- it's never going to be part of the business. Yeah. It's never going to be something that you know I think will become huge or big or anything. It's something literally that I enjoy speaking to people. I love doing our podcast, and I I like stand up. I love going to stand up shows. Yeah, and I think you know the way I'm kind of approaching it is well, I'll give it a go. I'll see what happens. I'm not, you know, I won't be talking about it on Instagram. <laughs> I won't be going, come to my stand-up show tonight. You know, it's very much something I'm doing for myself to push myself creatively. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I'll probably fall flat on my face and die of embarrassment. How wonderful, that's though. that's fine. Yes, you know? It's absolutely. something that I want to try creatively that will push me kind of forward. Yeah. So that's something that and I'm And a different doing. medium I mean, as well. You know, like you're yes. used to working with your hands and, you know, in, in a different medium. And you obviously, you know, you, you do know how to speak, you do know how to be Thanks. funny, you do know how to be articulate, all those things. So you've got all the tools in the toolbox. You just need to learn, you know, which what a joke is. Which all, yeah, it helps. Oh, <laughs> no, I think the jokes you can sometimes land. It's just the punchline, Dale. I mean, I'm still waiting on punchlines from 2017 for me. You know, like I, I'm still waiting, but you know, I live in hope. I um, I'm still yeah. your friend. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of support that I have, and it's the kind of support that my nurses recommend for me as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that's a part of it, though, is kind of thinking, what can I do for myself creatively that will push me in a new direction? Do you know what I did? Just before the pandemic hit, back in 2020, um, in the January and February, I went to some life drawing classes. Now, I am not a type of person that you want to hand a pencil or a pen to and expect miracles, because it's, it's really not gonna I can sketch but I I you know anything more detailed than that is not my type of thing. Mm. So I went to a life drawing class where they were naked men's and naked women's and we had to draw them. You can imagine how much I giggled, how inappropriate I was, it was hilarious. No I'm joking obviously it was very good fun. Uh, and I sucked at it. Like, it was, I wasn't brilliant at it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. you're pushing yourself out there. And if, you know, the pandemic wouldn't have happened, I was, I, you know, I was g- going to carry on doing it just to push myself in a new direction to find new challenges or new things that, you know, new, new ideas that, that mm-hmm. might come up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I do think it starts with self-care, though. I have to be honest with you. I think I, I do think it starts with self-care. Do you do enough for yourself from a self-care point of view? No, I definitely don't do it enough. You know, I am that, you know, that car that has been flashing on, you know, the dashboard that it needs a service for like 20,000 kilometers. And mm. I think, oh, I'll mm. just do it next week. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I am that mm. car that's literally just running on, you know, two-year-old oil. And I feel like that's definitely an issue that I need to address myself. Like, how is it that I keep putting other people first and I don't put myself first? Because I think mm. it's also an acceptance of, like, realizing that you you actually have to come first and not feeling that you have to apologize as well for wanting to put yourself first. Like if there's something that you want to do and it comes before your kids, your partner, your staff, whatever, it's just like you actually don't owe anyone an apology. You just need to do it because that's what you need and that's what's right for you. And I think that I absolutely struggled with that. And, you know, I, I mean, I think as well, can I, ju- you know, mm. just interrupt? Mm. I feel that our society has such an issue with the idea of you putting yourself first. Everyone talks to me and says, Matthew shouldn't put himself first. Everyone says that to me. Um, no, I mean, like, <laughs> like, you, you know, whoever you are with you putting yourself first. Yeah. And this is really great. I'll find this, um, I'll find this YouTube video. Uh, it's from a couple of years ago when Oprah Winfrey did the, I think it was a commencement you address or something. Oprah. Oh my god. There's not a word that's come out of that woman's mouth that you haven't heard, is there? I know, bloody hell. She is my hero. So if anyone Mm. can hook me up with a connection, you know, let a girl know. Um, so she did a commencement address, I think it was at Stanford University. Mm -hmm. And she says, and there's this part of it, I'll find it and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll even drop it in the podcast notes as well so people can watch it if they want to. Um, where she says, I, and I'm totally paraphrasing and I haven't watched it for several years, so bear with, but she essentially says, I, always put myself first and there is no shame there is nothing about that there is you know she said she said earlier on in her career i think people used to say to her you're too full of yourself you're too full of yourself and she used to take that as like an insult you know being like oh you're too cocky you know you're getting too big for your boots and she was like no she was like now i absolutely am full of myself my cup runs over. I put myself first so that I look after myself because if I don't, I cannot give to everybody else around me. I can't give to my company. I can't give to my staff. I can't give to my partner. I can't give to dot, dot, dot. And I have to put myself first because if I don't, then I cannot give myself to everybody else. And she sits there on this stage, I think in like a cream cardigan, relaxed as anything, telling, you know, a thousand people, two thousand people, I put myself first. I am full of myself. I make sure that I am number one in my life. Because if I'm not, then everyone else is only going to be getting a B or C grade version of myself. Isn't that crazy? It's phenomenal. I'll send you the video later and I'll I'll put it in the podcast notes so people can see it. Um, And it changed the way... I thought about how you position yourself within your own life. Because when I was younger, when I was like 19, 20, I was told that I was full of myself by tutors again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And it really damaged my self-confidence. And it took me a couple of years for me to find a balance between 
being full of myself and making sure that I stand up for myself and that I won't take any bullying and I won't take any oppression or anything of that nature, but that I also don't walk around, you know, being, I am the shit, you know, I am the one who rules the world. I, you know, all goodness flows forth from myself because it doesn't, do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's, it's a balance there, but I mean, I have a question for you. Mm. What time do you start work most days? Oh God, early. Early love, <laughs> like maybe early. okay, pre six, pre six. Yeah, Jesus, that is so early. That's for market runs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, is there anyone else you could hire to do this way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would look at something like that. Yeah, or I was, I was hoping you would say I started eight or something more civilized. But no. what I was going to suggest is if you said <laughs> I started, I started eight, for example, mm. my thought was going to be, well, for two mornings a week, can you start at ten? And then for those four hours, book yourself a massage, book yourself, you know, a chat with a therapist, book yourself for, I don't know, some Reiki or, you know, a sisterly colonic. You can reach out and pretend you're holding my fingertips. Mm -hmm. Whatever it might be, like, can't, you know, use those hours. And I bet your life would change a little bit. Yeah. And it only takes small steps, I think. It does only take small steps. And, you know, it's so strange because I would be the first person as well to offer the same advice you just offered me to someone else. Mm. And then I'd go away Mm. and be like, well, why can't I do it myself? Gosh, wow. I think it start, It starts with you. I think most yeah. of life does. And I, I know this episode is on creative fatigue and mm. it is very much kind of a big part of it because, you know, as we've talked about on our mental health episode last season, mm. you know, I suffered burnout, like proper yeah. burnout proper. where I couldn't get out of bed, yeah. like horrendous. And that's where nobody wants to end up, you know? So you need to put these things in place, these little markers of self-care so that you can top yourself up in the way that Oprah talks about so that you're not ever running on empty or running on fumes or, you know, the hazard light on the car is going and you're thinking, I've still got to get to market. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's those type of things that you can put in place to think, okay, well, I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they don't have to be expensive things. They don't have to be crazy things. No, no, not at all. But I think it can start by just taking an hour or two for yourself. And like, maybe, you know, if getting up early, say you have to go to the market and all the rest of it, maybe it's something that your average finish time, say it's like five o'clock, one night a week, whether it's a Monday or a Tuesday, whatever day works best for you, make sure you finish at four. Yeah. Yeah. And you're all, you've got that hour and you book something in. I think if you book something in, that's always a commitment to yourself, whether it's, um, you know, like Reiki or whether it's a therapist or whether it's, uh, you know, a massage or, or whether it's seeing a friend or, you know, a family member or whatever it might be. If you book it in, you're less likely, I think, to let yourself down on it. I would agree. You know? I would agree with that. I think it's like once you, and you know, you and I are both Scrooges, you know, like once you've paid for something, it's like, oh no, I will, you know, that coffee might taste horrible, but I paid for it. I'm going to be drinking it. You know, like it's. You took me to the most foul brunch ever in London. It cost me 300 pounds for us to sit under a canopy of fake flowers. And I ate every mouthful of that eggs Benedict because it. It was awful. <laughs> but illustrated your point beautifully. I was like, I'm not leaving until I finish every drop yeah, of, of this, this burnt Hollandaise. cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think if you commit to it, you know, something with a family or friends. We were committed to this. A- we were committed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there might be wisteria tickling in my cheek, but I am finishing this Hollandaise. Plastic. 
wisteria tickling <laughs> your cheek. I'm not moving. Oh, you might think I'm moving. I'm God, that's moving. just taken me. It's taken me back to a spiritual place. That memory just then, love, like honestly. I but- can't wait till you can travel, girl. I can't wait until. Well, I mean, it's, we're getting there, aren't we? Really. Hopefully, you know, sometime this year we'll be able to meet up and do something fun. Um, but I think it's one of those things. I mean, if it were me, and I were looking to kind of combat some creative fatigue in my life, and I were thinking, where do I begin? I would start out by carving some time for yourself and make it two hours a week. Make sure one of those activities is something you do for yourself, a massage, you know, a facial, uh, whatever it might be, something, a walk in the park, something that you enjoy yourself. Um, And then the other thing I would be do something that enriches you from like a heart space. Maybe it's like a coffee with your mom or a coffee with your brother or a really good friend that you haven't seen or whatever that is. And I would try and make that a weekly obligation because it's like anything. Like when students come to me and say, how can I get better at floral design? It's practice. It is practice. It's it's the more you do. It starts small, start off. And the more you do, the easier it gets. Mm. Um, and I, I, th- I think start off by making that time for yourself. And then once you've got those boundaries in place of, oh no, Matthew's worth something. Matthew's worth these hours. It's important that Matthew has this time to himself because the other 60 hours a week, he runs himself ragged running this mm-hmm. business. So I'm going to take these two hours a week because you're worth two hours a week to see your mom, see your friends, see your family, you know, go for a, a lovely date with your husband, whatever it might be. And then do something for yourself as well that you really want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's even it's just going for a, you know, a lovely pot of gravy down boat shed, whatever it might yeah. be, you know, do something that kind of makes you think this is for me and that's important. And I think with those boundaries in place, you can then schedule time for creativity around that, you know, things that kind of do set you on fire. Um, it's, it's worth noting as well that in my business, I position myself or I like to think that I try to position myself where I can create the most value for my company, where I can say, Hey, like, you know, I'm going to put myself where I'm doing jobs that only I can do seeing clients, you know, or, you know, writing high end proposals or wherever it might be. That's where I'm going to put myself. But at the same time, I do try and schedule time for creativity. So whether it's going to be fulfilling some tutorials or practicing different techniques or whatever that might be, um, I do try and schedule time for that as well. I think it's so important to invest in yourself in that way. Mm, mm, I agree. I agree. Oh, that's taken it out of me, girl. Taking, take, talking about that because it's you know when you you're talking about something was with it someone, too personal? Not at all. It's like you know when you're talking about something and you think it's too real. You know, like it's too real, mm. and it's like it's so easy when you're in business or you know when you're working to a goal or whatever it might be. It's so easy just to get caught up in something. You know, like just to get mm. caught up in in work and a goal and things like that. And I, I would hate to be that statistic in the future that goes, oh, well, she, you know, she did so well, but then have you seen what she looks like at 65? She looks 114. And that's because, you know, you've worked. That would never be you. I would never let you get that bad. I'd take you to the surgeon. Yeah. yeah, I would never let myself get that bad either. But you know, it's just that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that. It's just you know, like you you don't want to become collateral damage to yourself, is what I think I'm trying to say. And I think it would be very easy for a lot of people, especially in small business and especially in creative business, where you're putting so much of your heart, soul, and energy into something, to just think you're doing the right thing and actually not know because how do you determine when you're doing the right thing and not, you know, like how, how do you Mm. know, how do you know? Mm. 
And it's yeah. like you don't always have someone there to, to tell you yes or no or whatever. But I think one thing I've learned is that you definitely need to somehow um, work out. And I know we've talked about this in other episodes, but you need to work out what your own triggers are, what your own checkpoints are, you know, like how do you, mm. what do you look for in yourself to go, oh, wow, I'm really creatively fatigued. I need to go and do something for myself to make me inspired again. I need to refresh. I need to disconnect, whatever that might be. Um, mm. Otherwise, I am absolutely of zero value to the business and I'm, I may as well just not be coming in because I come in every day and I'm actually not adding anything to the business because I can't function at 100%. Yeah, because that's no good for anyone if uh-huh. you let yourself get like that. Do you know what I mean? And it, it does start, I think, with smaller steps. I don't think it's anything, you know, put it this way. I don't think you have to take a can of gasoline and, you know, a lighter to your life. I think mm-hmm. it starts by smaller changes, finding where those pain points are mm-hmm. and addressing them one by one in order to make things easier. And I guarantee you, even if you just start off doing a couple of smaller things, everything will feel so much easier once you yeah. go forward from there. Yeah. I think that one thing that I, I was thinking about when I was thinking about this episode and, you know, where we're going to dive in and stuff and how we're going to approach this topic. I was thinking a little bit about how I approach kind of opportunities in my business. So I had an opportunity come up recently, um, which I was really sorely tempted by. And I won't go into details on it, but it, it, it's kind of sounded like could, could have been amazing. Mm-hmm. I spoke to you about it. I spoke to everyone mm-hmm. about it. What should I do? You know, do I approach this? And what it came down to the final decision for me with this particular opportunity, but really I think that the process can be applied to kind of any opportunity is how much investment is it going to need? Mm-hmm. How much time? How much money? How much, how much uh, staff, you know, uh, personnel, all that kind of stuff? How mm-hmm. much space? How much investment is going to be required? And what is the reward from it? And this particular mm-hmm. project, um, I just thought, you know, this is going to take up way too much time mm-hmm. and it's got too little reward in it. Mm-hmm. And that can be a great way to assess parts of your business or how you're spending your time with regards to does it set you on fire? Does it light you up? Does it make you think, gosh, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. And I'm really engaged in building the life that I love. And I think that if you think of every facet or every income stream or revenue stream of your business and think, how much investment does this take to keep going? How much investment does this take to do? And what is the reward from it? And Mm. do I love it? Is it something that really makes me think, gosh, this is wonderful. I think this is brilliant. Mm. It's really what I want to do. And if it's not then think, well, can I outsource it? Can someone else do it? Or can I tailor it in a way so it's less of a burden on me? Or shall I, you know, maybe put less investment into it and look to invest in other things that kind of maybe turn me on and kind of get me more fulfilled and get me going in in that kind of direction instead? Totally. I think one thing that we really, really have to consider is that whenever you're building any business, whether it's a creative business or, you know, it's a, it's a huge conglomerate you're building or something much smaller, I think you do have to be aware. Like, you have to take everything with, like, a little bit of kind of reality, a little dose of reality, because not every part of your business is going to make your heart sing. Like, you know, when my accountant no, calls up course. and says, it's time to pay your tax bill. I just I don't think, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Joseph's left the country. He's left the country. Listen very carefully, Um, Dal. Beep. <laughs> but it's so true. I think sometimes with a lot of the hype and pressure that you can see on social media, you can think, oh my God, I should be girl bossing it. I should be loving every part of my business. I should be, you know, everything should make me feel amazing. Not necessarily. No. I think in real life, you 
you're going to, you know, best case scenario, you're going to have a balance. And I would say the most important thing is that more than 50% of what you do is something that you love and you enjoy. And it really kind of gets you going creatively or personal, you know, in a personal perspective. Mm-hmm. That's what you're aiming for. I mean, yeah. anything less than that. And I think there's changes you can make in your business to kind of put the, put the fire and put the fuel, you know, back in yourself creatively. What do you think about that? Agreed. And I think it's, you know, there's, it's no different to being in a relationship with friends or a lover or whatever. Like, if you're married to someone, for example, it's not always going to be easy. You know, it, mm. it is a relationship. It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be certain aspects of a relationship that are difficult, that are a challenge, that need to be addressed, that need to be worked on, whatever. It's the same in business. You can't, you can't have mm-hmm. a house without needing to clean it. Most of us, you know, at some point, point or another have had to clean our own toilet right like it what? is yeah yeah, yeah. but it's like it's, <laughs> it's that age-old thing it's just like yeah okay i just cleaned a toilet which means that i have a toilet you know i just folded a, a washing basket full of washing which means that i have a washing machine and running water all of these things mm. that are actually something to be grateful for and it's the same with business there's a lot of elements to my business that i think christ you know like uh, you know, another bill from the tax department actually means that the business is successful, you know? So it's yes, like, absolutely. you have to, you have to acknowledge sometimes that things that really annoy you, you know, um, I, th- you know, something that does my absolute tits in is stuff. No one ever talks about this. <laughs> Honest to God, I would rather talk like because there's two things that can be a real pain in your in your cans when it comes to business, and that's either the customers mm. themselves or your staff. Mm. And mm-hmm. the reality is, is that if you've scaled up so much that you need staff, they're going to be a pain in your ass. You're never ever going to have staff that are one billion percent loyal, perfect, wonderful, whatever you want to call mm. it. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. And you no. also, as an individual and as a human. If you went out to work in the workforce, there's also no way that you would be perfect as well, right? Um, so what? Well, I'm just speaking for myself, Joe. I mean, I know that okay, you okay, are right, a ginger right, right, perfection, right. Um, <laughs> but you know, just acknowledging that what, how do you determine what is and what isn't perfect, and how do you determine what is and isn't fun? You know, it's about mm. making mm. something fun. You know, like it's mm. it's that whole Mary Poppins attitude of you know, like mm. start singing while you're cleaning or you know whatever. Like there is a way mm. to make every element fun, and without sounding too esoteric about it, it's just a matter of being you know positive in your thinking and going. Well, the sooner we get this shit done, the sooner we carry on and we can order McDonald's. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, from our scrub room, which is what we call the room, you know, where everything gets goes where to clean from a job. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Often from my desk, I'll bellow, I can't hear your soprano, Trisha. Yeah. And I'm like, get singing. Get, get singing, singing queer. That's it, love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you make a really good point because at the end of the day, like the people you surround yourself with are, have you heard that phrase of like, you will become the average of the people you surround yourself with? Um, I don't know how necessarily true that is, but I do think for sure that the people that you have in your business um, will 
to quite a large degree determine how successful it runs mm-hmm. and how smooth your systems are and how smooth your operations are. You know, I, I like, I know that people go on about systems and operations as being key. I, I do agree. It's, it's, it's always good to have, you know, a good foundation and to know what should be happening when, but it's also the people that you put in those positions as well. Um, and building a good core team who you get on with who have a similar point of view, who maybe process things in a similar way. Um, and to know that you have, you know, you're all kind of working towards the same goals is the dream. It's not always like that. It's not always as easy as that. Um, but so obviously you want to make sure you're on the same team with them, that everyone's working towards the same goal. I mean, it's not always easy to mm. do, but it, it is the dream if that's something you can work towards. Simply because, you know, the people that you surround yourself with um, will really help make or break your business, you know? So, do you... I think as well, what you're saying about that as well is the importance of making sure that anyone that's on the journey of your business, whether it's staff, family, partner, whatever, that they also a part of it. They're part of the journey. You might have, for instance, your husband, wife, lover, whatever, that doesn't necessarily want to be part actively of your business or part actively of your career, but they still want Mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. actively part of you and they want to see you happy and succeed. So, sometimes it's also Mm -hmm. up to us to make sure that when we need help, that we're not scared to actually say, hey, babe, I need help. And this, to me, is that what is it so looks important. like. Do you know what I mean? Like, because That's if I so just blanket, if I just yeah. said to my husband, a blanket, I need help, I'm actually not also saying this is what that help looks like in my head. So, I think mm-hmm, it's really important mm-hmm. to just make sure that when you also ask for help or you're saying, not even asking for help, but just saying, this is what it looks like for you to be on the journey to my fulfillment, make sure that you're able to determine or at least give some indications to what that looks like. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I mean, that's the love language, isn't it, really? They talk about it in relationships, ways that you can show affection, you know, that your partner can identify with. And in the same way, you can extend that to your business, I think, too, you know? I mean, I have to say, it all starts with putting yourself first and making sure that you give yourself put those boundaries in place so that you have the time to nurture yourself in the right kind of way. You know, whether that is scheduling time for creativity for like a regular practice session, whether it's making sure that every Monday and every Thursday you finish at four o'clock instead of five o'clock so you can go and do something that enriches you. I mean, it doesn't have to directly relate to the business. It And it probably, it's better if it doesn't. If it's something that you enjoy or someone that you like hanging out with, whatever that is, I think combating creative fatigue begins with putting yourself first with boundaries with time off and with finding ways that kind of you can nurture yourself and fulfill yourself as opposed to kind of finding more projects for you totally, to take on totally couldn't agree more love like it's it's about making sure that you know your limits and you know how to ask for help amen to that <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, guys, for this episode of Flowers After Hours. We have had an absolute hoot doing it, and I hope it's been doing it for you. It's been a hooty toot. Make sure you click subscribe down below and that you leave us a rating and review. That would mean the absolute world to us, and you do not want to miss an episode of Flowers After Hours. Help us on our way to becoming the next Floral Kardashians, and we'll see you on the next one. I am the goose. The egg has been laid. (laughs) 